Up World. Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. In today's show, I want to celebrate and appreciate Damian Lillard, who had a game winner on Saturday evening that deserves both celebration and appreciation. I want to talk about the most important stat that we'll be tracking throughout the next six weeks, how the Blazers are faring when Damian Lillard isn't on the court. Another way to appreciate him is to appreciate how much his teammates certainly need him. I want to close out the show talking about Western Conference tiers. I've broken down the entire West, all 15 teams into tiers for sort of a look at where the Blazers stack up. Uh, I think it's an interesting exercise and I hope you'll enjoy it too. That's what we'll do in the third segment. But first, let's take a moment to appreciate. Down five with 11 seconds left last night against the Chicago Bulls. In Chicago, Damian Lillard pulled up for a 37-foot three-pointer against over Kobe White. It seemed like too little too late. The Blazers had blown another big lead, failed to stop Zach Levine and critical possessions inside 90 seconds, and it seemed like their star player was going to finish his night with a 40-point effort and a loss, uh, shaping out to be a truly frustrating road loss to begin a six-game road trip, losing two games that the team could have won. But on the ensuing inbounds pass, Gary Trent Jr. tied up Zach Levine. I'll let Jordan Kent and Lamar Hurd on the Blazers broadcast fill you in on what happened next. Blazers get the tip. Five seconds left. Covington trying to get it to Dame. He puts it on the floor. Step back three from Dame. Oh! Painted! Damian Lillard! Game winner in Chicago! Back-to-back threes to break the heart of the Bulls! A shot so sweet that it caused a microphone to blow out in the Blazers broadcast booth. Dame hit a game-winner, does what he does. He scored six points in the final 11 seconds, a miracle that doesn't happen for sure without Gary Trent Jr.'s heady defensive play and a hat tip to Rodney Hood, who helped on the double team there to force the jump ball. But this was a case of Dame bailing the Blazers out as a superstar. And I don't want to make this um, a podcast or an episode or a segment here, rather, where I raid on the parade and say, well, the Blazers played poorly and and their star pulled them out. We don't. There's no space for that here. The Blazers won a game that was a lot of fun. Let's enjoy it. So I. That's what I want to do. I want to appreciate this. I think, and this is me judging a lot of this based on my experiences on uh, Twitter.com, which is obviously not the real world and and tends toward the toxicness. But there is a lot of angst around blazer fandom right now there's a lot of anxiety and there's there's a large swath of the fan base that seems dedicated to getting terry stotts fully the hell up on out of here um there's 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 a a certain doomed feeling and i think fandom is often tends toward this feeling of doom because there are only two types of teams there's the team that wins the championships and then there's all those other trash garbage teams that lose that means there's 29 other trash garbage teams every year in the way that we care about the nba and i want to get away from that because if you can only appreciate a team and a player and a star if they get a trophy at the end of the season you're going to be disappointed The Lakers and Celtics win half the damn championships, y'all. So, 
What I want to do here is encourage you to find joy. Find joy in game 18 of a long regular season. Find joy in a game where the Blazers made you worry. Find joy in a game that they probably should have lost, but improbably won because Dame is so special. Him being special or clutch or whatever you want to call it shouldn't surprise you. Because if you know Dame and this team, he's been doing it since you've been following him. It's a reminder of the game winner he hit over Ryan Anderson and the New Orleans Hornets in his rookie year in 2012. Or that trip during his second season when he hit game winners at Detroit and then a game winner at Cleveland. Shout out to Alonzo G, future Blazer, who got lit up in that one. Obviously, it's a reminder of May 2014 and... Damian Lillard sending the Blazers into the second round of the playoffs with 0.9 seconds left in a win over Houston. And it's a reminder of the following season when Dame brought the team back from down 10 against the Oklahoma City Thunder and then came up with the phrase Dame Lillard time, rather. Later changed the Dame time because it was better branding. But in, in that moment in the locker room, he told yours truly that was Lillard time. And yeah, it's a reminder of Damian Lillard waving goodbye to the Oklahoma City Thunder, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, after capping a 50-point night and ending the series from 37 feet, dotting one right in Paul George's grill. It was a bad shot, you may recall. So what I want you to do, if you're able to at this time, dear listener, is appreciate how special and how fun this is. Sports are so fleeting. Most of the teams lose. And... There is, like I said, some anxiety around the team. So for a moment, step outside of the concerns about injuries to the Blazers' second and third best players, to whatever you feel about the coaching staff, to beyond sort of the anxiety about a shrinking championship window and a, and a change in what you think this team can accomplish this year, and just appreciate how special and how fun Dame is. If you watched the game last night, you knew when he let it go that it was probably going to go in. There is joy to be harnessed in that late game magic, and I want you to try to harness it if you can. Outside of just the Blazers world, life is, um, our current climate of life has a, a great deal of uncertainty and a great deal of anxiety baked into it. So for a moment, maybe a Saturday night at home on the couch could bring you a great deal of joy, and I want you to bask in that joy. The losses tend to sting more than the wins help. That is kind of a, a nature of fandom. I, I, I think I've come to appreciate both as a fan of sports teams and as someone who uh, has you know covered a professional sports team and dealt with fans as, as the way I make my money, right, is, is bringing you content. So if you can, if you are able, just celebrate this for a day. Take two days, however long. This is the Blazers snatched victory from the jaws of defeat in a way that felt familiar. There is a familiarity and a comfort in the improbable. And Damian Lillard delivers you that. He brings that to you in a way that pretty much no other athlete can. 
Certainly there are other people who have won more games and more championships and MVPs and all those things than Dame, but there is something about a late game situation, a late clock, an improbable an improbable time when you just need someone to bomb away from deep to, to steal one, and there's nobody better at it than him. So in this time of anxious life, anxious basketball team, and just anxiety in general, Take this moment, let this opening 10 minutes of this podcast be a meditation on appreciation. Thanks to Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard, for bringing us some joy on a Saturday evening, bringing us some joy in the midst of a long winter in the NBA and a time of a great deal of uncertainty in the Blazers' season. There'll be plenty of times in the future to be upset, nervous, worried, mad, whatever other negative feeling you have related to this basketball team and related to the world itself. But if you can for one moment to sit and reflect and appreciate the magic of Dame, the man who broke a microphone in the Blazers broadcasting studio by hitting a step back three from the wing. Also, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, Jason Quick wrote a wonderful story about uh, Damian Lillard's sort of ability to thrive when counted out or when he wants or when things aren't uh or when the odds are stacked against him and proving people wrong against long odds it's uh it's a heck of it's a lot of reporting for a game story very impressive stuff um strong recommend for that one it's uh it'll let you meditate a little more on joy hopefully find a little more appreciation for small moments small things that are truly special all right, in the second segment, I want to talk a little bit more about Dame. It's a stra- it's a stat that I'm going to be tracking all season long. I've got a spreadsheet going and all that about how the Blazers have performed when he's not on the court. Uh, I think it's particularly important without CJ and Nurk because the Blazers are just undermanned and how they fare without their star on the court really is going to dictate their success over the next month or so. So we will check in on how they're doing in the dameless minutes in the second segment. But first, I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, or in Forbes, and I'm excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. Look, we all know the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Right. Look, Lockdown Blazers has everything you need for Portland basketball, but you might be asking, what about the rest of the sports? Well, now with the Locked On Podcast Network, we've got you covered with the new show, Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. 
So we talked Damian Lillard's excellence. I hope you have a I hope you had a moment to sort of meditate and appreciate. Um, it is easy to get caught up in the sort of rings culture of not appreciating small things. And I think one of the uh, one of the great parts about being a fan is being able to feel joy from these small things. So I hope Damian Lillard, in the midst of all of our challenging lives, brought you a little bit of joy. And I hope that that first segment allowed you to reflect on that little bit of joy. But here in the second segment, I want to shift gears and talk about some numbers. In fact, the number that I believe is the most important statistic to follow for this Blazers team moving forward. CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic are coming back in February. So we got at least we got at least a month. I mean, there's a chance maybe CJ comes back super early at the last week of February. But y'all hear me. We got like a month from today before the reinforcements are coming. So the Blazers are just, they're shorthanded. It's what they are. It's, it's uh, you know, Derek Jones Jr. did not play on Saturday evening against the Chicago Bulls with a foot sprain. There is no update on a, a timeline for him, but, you know, uh, they played down three starters on, on Saturday evening and one with Robert Covington returning from a two-game two absence due to a concussion. So this team's going to be shorthanded. Even if Derek Jones Jr. comes back, they're shorthanded. He's, um, he's an upgrade over some of their wing options, but... It is what it is. They, they're just, uh, they're down some folks that, that help them win games. So the number one stat I'm tracking, and I have, if you listened to this podcast last week, I mentioned it, but I want to give you all an update, is the is the minutes the Blazers play without Damian Lillard. Um, the the dameless minutes or the without Dame minutes um, are going to decide the Blazers' season, right? Uh I mentioned this before and why I'm focusing on when he's off the court, because I don't think it matters if they struggle when he plays. Like if they're bad when he's on the court, it doesn't matter. It's the game's over. Like they're done. <laughs> you can, you know, there isn't, there isn't some magic formula. Um, you know, if they get outscored by six, eight points when the minutes the Dame plays, they're going to lose. So that's a realistic option, but their formula for winning is, is surviving the minutes when he's on the bench, the limited time that he doesn't play, he's going to play, you know, 36 to 38 plus minutes a night so surviving those somewhere between you know 10 and 13 minutes can they be okay and in the wins they've been okay let's let's revisit them since both uh since both Dame and CJ have been out the Blazers have played five games they are a cool two and three in those five games it opened with a bad loss to the Spurs in those five games just for um just for posterity, Damian Lord's averaging 38.8 points, 8.4 rebounds, shooting 49.5% from the floor, 41.7% from three on 12 attempts per game, 95% from the free throw line. Um, he's been really good. He also has a total plus minus of zero. That means the Blazers are even. They're even in his 37 minutes a night he's playing. So... What they do when he sits determines every single game. He's a plus 0.0, y'all. So the dameless minutes have have quite literally decided every game. Against the Spurs, they got blown out when he sat for about nine minutes pre-garbage time. Um, I'm trying to normalize these because the minutes that, when the game's over, I don't want to, um, I don't want to include include those. I don't think they're informative. So pre-garbage time, Dame sat for nine minutes, outscored by 14 against the Spurs, lost by 21. Following game, five days off, practice, all that, get back in the court, get back in the lab. Blazers bench goes plus one against the Knicks in a game that the Blazers win by three. 
some magic, magic from the bench to outscore the Knicks plus one. You win. It's it's not pretty, but they win. Against the Thunder the next night, the Blazers were outscored by three points when Damian Lord sat out. The Thunder won the game 125-122. If you're not great at math, it's a three-point win. The three minutes or the three points that the that the bench could not pull even with the Thunder while Dame was out of the game. Those are your losing minutes. Against the Houston Rockets earlier this week, Thursday evening, the Blazers lost that game 104-101. And while Dame was on the bench, they were outscored by four points in a three-point loss. And then against the Bulls, obviously this took some magic, but the Blazers bench really good in the first half, uh, outscored the Bulls by by 10. Um, Not good in the second half, were outscored by nine in the opening four minutes of the fourth quarter. That gives you, again, if you're not great at math, I'm doing it here for you, plus one for the game. The Bulls, or the Blazers' non-Dame players outscored the Bulls by one point in the minutes that Dame sat. The Blazers won that game by one point. This is it. This is the formula. Uh, They're still way, way under on on the year. They're minus 19 total in the dameless minutes since Nurk and CJ have both been out with injuries. But the total plus minus isn't as important as sort of the game to game survival. Um, You know, if you take the if you take the the Spurs game out entirely, you know, they're still uh, well in minus six on aggregate still, but the aggregate doesn't matter. It's game to game. When they've been positive, plus one against the Knicks and plus one against the Bulls, they've won those games. These were, these are This will be the most important thing to track. The Blazers winning formula is, quite frankly, it is a difficult one to repeat night to night. And it's something like this. Survive Damian Lillard's minutes when he doesn't play 12 to 14 minutes of good basketball. And then in those 36, 37 minutes that he's on the court, have him be a superstar. Well, 39 and a win over the Knicks, 44 and a win over the Bulls. This is what they need. This is, it is as simple as this. The absolute most important number for them all year long and moving forward will be these plus minus, these plus minus minutes when Dame is, when Dame's on the bench. The Dameless minutes, if they can, if they can slightly outscore the other team, they've got a chance to win games. If they can't, it's going to be tough. And like I said, if they don't outscore them when Dame's in the game, doesn't matter, game's over anyways. The minutes... You know, I, I don't want to look at it on the whole, right? Like, I don't care about Dame's plus minus. I only care about it relative to when he sits. Because if they struggle when he's in the game, the the exercises doesn't mean anything. But so far, these what I called the most important stat of the season has really seemed to indicate who's going to win these games. Ain't going to change. I'm going to keep updating this spreadsheet, and I'm going to keep updating you here. The Dameless Minutes. Are the are for me and and maybe I've convinced you too at this point now that I've said it so many times during the segment the n- most important stat for the Blazers this season the one that will define what happens to them. All right, let's close out the show in the third segment, looking at the tiers in the Western Conference. I've broken up all fifteen teams in the West into five tiers. I want to discuss who's where and where the Blazers stack up in a. I think believable playoff picture, but one that has 
a playoff race that has, has maybe changed sort of where we thought the competition might be relative to the top. So that's what we'll do in the third segment to close out this very show. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. Look, we're heading into Super Bowl week. There's basketball games every single night. It's betting season. And if you're looking for an online sports book, there's one place that we trust and one place that has you covered, and that's betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account over at betonline.ag, and you can use the promo code LOCKEDON when you do, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Look, if you, if you are someone who wants to wager on games, this is the place to do it. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Y'all know Built Bar? It's the best tasting protein bar ever. If you don't know Built Bar, it's still the same damn thing. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in 18 amazing flavors, each of which is covered in 100% real chocolate, soft and easy to chew with a candy bar-like texture. Look, I am eating through the box I have in my desk right now. I had one before this show because I needed a little boost. Here, let me, this is a real, this is a real wrapper sound you're hearing. I ate the raspberry flavor. And in the raspberry flavor, we're talking 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and just four grams of sugar. There's four net carbs in there, y'all. That's a pretty good deal. And on top of that, it's delicious. All these flavors, not just the raspberry one I just ate, are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. So go get your hands on some of these bars over at BuiltBar.com and make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON when you do to get 20% off your next order. It's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about Damian Lillard's magic. We talked about the most important stat for the Blazers. That is how Dame's teammates perform when the magician is on the bench. What we want to do in the third segment to close out this show is talk about tiers in the West. Uh, as I'm recording this, the, the Nuggets are finishing off a beatdown of the Jazz, snapping Utah's 11-game winning streak. But... So that'll complicate a little bit of my pre-planning for this segment, but that's okay. I can, uh, I'll be able to pivot okay. What I want to do is I've separated the West into tiers, and I want to talk about teams in tiers because uh, the standings are are pretty jumbled. Uh, the Jazz with the loss are going to slip into a virtual tie with the Clippers slightly ahead of the Lakers for the first spot in the West, and the Nuggets will move just clearly into fourth place at 12-8. and eight. But after Denver in fourth place, 5 through 14 are really crowded in the West. Uh, I think we all we all thought, or many of us thought, and, and if you listen to this podcast, you certainly heard me say it, is that the difference between what I thought was going to be like 3rd and ninth or 3rd and 10th in the West was going to be a handful of games, like just a couple close losses. I thought that that sort of group of teams were all very, very even, and it was going to be um, going to be really close between being a home court advantage type team and uh, you know facing the Lakers in the first round of playoffs type team. But uh, I think the the sort of tiers have shook out such that there are 
four teams that are clearly better than everyone else in the West, and then a really, really crowded group of everyone else. And the Blazers find themselves in that everyone else group. So what I want to do here is talk about um, sort of how I see all the groups and where the Blazers fit in that picture. So tier one, I've got the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Jazz, but they're 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 really, really good, and they're deeper, and they're and they're better than um, they're probably deeper than the Clippers. I don't think they're better than the Lakers. I can't say that with any confidence, but they have a better record until till today. Particularly the the Jazz were just playing awesome. But you win in the playoffs with top end talent, and I am maybe not a big believer in Rudy Gobert as a top end. Uh, playoff shifting talent he's a force uh but centers typically centers with limited offensive ability and limited range have been less useful in the playoffs as of late so i'm not in on the jazz i really debated putting them in this tier one category but i think it's just the two la teams i also debated putting the lakers well ahead of everyone else in their sort of own lakers tier because i really believe that they're significantly better than everyone else but they've struggled a little bit they had lost two in a row before squeaking one out against the boston celtics so they got moved down to just the la tier tier one lakers and clippers tier two is two teams it's utah and denver i kind of thought utah either belongs in a up in that first tier or in a or in a tier alone with just the clippers and denver would be in this sort of like we're clearly the fourth best team tier and no one else is in this range uh, but i think utah and denver are about the same level they are teams that are sort of pushing the limits of how good you can be while i think you have zero chance of winning the nba championship they are that good Jokic is an mvp candidate um, like i said the jazz have just been awesome and blowing the doors off teams like they've been fantastic on both ends um you know beating the snot out of dallas with without uh donovan mitchell and they're they're good (laughs) y'all they're good but still that's their tier two team for me utah and denver in tier two tier three is where everyone else is basically in tier three in any this is in any order just to hear the teams in the tier is i've got phoenix portland memphis san antonio houston golden state and dallas I think those seven teams, which will be competing for four playoff spots, are all about the same level. To wit, Memphis, as of Sunday afternoon when I'm recording this, eight and six. Phoenix is ten and eight. The Blazers are ten and eight. The Warriors are eleven and nine. San Antonio's eleven and nine. Then you drop down a little bit. Houston's nine and nine, but they've won five in a row and they're playing really well on defense since getting rid of James Harden. Turns out Victor Oladipo, still a pretty good defensive player. I've got Dallas in this tier out of respect. The Mavericks are all are all kinds of bad right now. They're eight and twelve, losers of five in a row, two and eight in their last ten games. They are just they're a mess. Um, but I'm a believer in their talent. Um, I'm a believer that Chris Stapps Porzingis is going to get healthier and better. I believe that they've had a bunch of uh, COVID issues, and when they get their guys back, when they're fully healthy, they're going to rip off some wins. I'm I'm. I don't, I don't think Dallas is really good, and if I had to sort of pick an odd odd team out in this group, I think Dallas would be in my sort of like, this team looks like they're headed in the wrong direction, odd team out. But the, if we're just talking tiers, Dallas belongs in that tier. So that's tier three. Again, Phoenix, Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, Houston, Golden State, and Dallas. Tier four is teams that I don't think are playoff teams, but are like relatively competitive. New Orleans, Sacramento, and OKC. I thought New Orleans was going to be in that third tier. I thought they were going to be right in the mix. Uh, Turns out their guard pairing of Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe is maybe a really bad idea. Uh, Having 
Steven Adams play with that group seems like a little bit wonky, and Zion Williamson is not someone who is trying or good at defense right now, and that is... It's not half the game, but it's like 45% of the game, and he's bad at about 45% of the game right now, even as awesome as he is on offense. It just doesn't matter, particularly when you're a big. You cannot be that bad and play his position. So New Orleans has dropped down a tier. The Kings are the Kings. They are frisky, but they're literally the worst defense in the league. And the difference between the 29th rated defense in the league as of Sunday morning when I looked this up, your Portland Trailblazers, second to last worst defense in the league, and 22 is the same distance between 29 and 30. That means like the bottom 10 teams are all kind of stacked in a row as like, we're a bottom 10 defense. We're not good. You have a couple good games. You're going to jump up to like 20th in, in the NBA in defense out of the absolute seller and then there's the kings who are almost four points per 100 possessions worse than 29th they super extra bad but boy they're a lot of fun and their broadcast is great recommend watching the kings okc young and just won't lose they just they refuse to lose uh they're they're gonna i think talent will catch up with them and they'll fall back eventually but they're right there in that fourth tier with new orleans and sacramento and then you get to the last tier it's called the wolves tier because it only includes one team it's the minnesota timberwolves they're the worst team in the nba sorry we don't need to spend much more time in there get well soon carl anthony towns i'm sending you a lot of love i know you've had a tough year and i know that my word choice of tough there was a significant understatement and i apologize but we don't need to dwell on the worst team in the West. They're just not good. They're not going to factor in. But I think I think these tiers are going to shake out for... Um, I'm confident in these tiers being about right for the rest of the season. I mean, we're we're nearly 20 games in. Particularly, usually by the 20-game mark in like an 80-game season, 82-game season rather, you uh, you kind of know. this is It's usually a pretty good indicator of who's in and who's out. And I think those top four teams, the LA teams, Utah and Denver, they're in. Those are your, those are your home court advantage teams. And then there's just a fat group of teams that are going to be battling. And I think the Blazers, even, even now, like I'm, I'm, I'm factoring in current play, current roster. The Blazers are right in the mix in that tier three team. Thanks in large part to Damian Lillard being awesome. Uh, the Blazers are in danger of slipping down to tier four just because their defense is so bad and the burden is so big uh, placed on Damian Lillard. But in general, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that they're about as good as the Grizzlies, the Spurs, Rockets, Warriors, Mavericks, and Suns. Like, and I don't think that's, that's like a, I don't think that's homerish to say that. Like, I mean, they're the team I watch the most. I'm a league pass nerd, but I certainly, I watch every minute of the Blazer games. I don't watch any other teams every single minute. So I think they're right there in the mix. Like I said, I think we thought that sort of teams three through 10, three through nine were going to be in this mix. And now it more looks like five through 12 are kind of where this big stack of equally matched teams are. And the Blazers are right in that stack. They could finish fifth. Um, the 4-5 matchup in the West is going to be brutal, but uh, the, the Blazers' situation right now is that pushing towards, you know, 6 and 5th and 6th in the West would be a really nice place for them to land, uh, you know, missing CJ and Nurk for nearly two months, so... I'm comfortable with these tiers. I think this is how it's going to be the rest of the season, and I think it's kind of good news for the Blazers, is that even as 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 
beat up as they are, as decimated by injuries as they are, they're right in the mix with all of these other teams. Like the West is just more mediocre than we thought it was going to be. Uh, obviously, the Rockets like fell apart and then have come back. Uh, the Golden State had their own injury woes, and they they have some real flaws. Like I said, uh, Dallas is Dallas is in a bad way. If if Phoenix gets healthy, they could probably pull away from this group. I like their collection of talent more than the rest. Memphis and San Antonio, they're going to be right. They're going to be right in this mix the whole time. So. I think this group of seven teams is right where the Blazers are going to find themselves. And I think that means even with the injuries, Portland is going to stay right in the thick of this. Like when you just think about overall talent for the teams battling for the same thing they're battling with, they're not, the Blazers are not a tier one or tier two team. They're not as good as the top four teams in the West. And I don't think they can get there right now um, just because of their situation with their health on the roster. But I don't think they can, I think fifth, like I think they're still right in the mix for fifth and below. And that's an okay place to be. You can make a run from that spot. Um, it's hard to win a championship, certainly finishing fifth. Um, shout out to the mid-90s Houston Rockets, but it's uh it's an okay spot to be. It's it's they're not they're not in a they're not totally out of it when I think maybe when you looked at them earlier in this week and you said, Man, are they a mess? It's just you look at talent, situation, all those things. I think the Blazers are right in the mix. And I think for me, thinking about the West in tears helps me sort of appreciate where they where the Blazers are and that third tier that that third tier is pretty is heavily mediocre which is good news for a heavily mediocre blazer squad coming up on tomorrow's show is mailbag monday our weekly mailbag segment that i record on monday evenings and post on tuesdays if you want to get involved there's two ways to do it tweet at me at mike g rich or send me an email locked on blazers pod at gmail.com like I said, it's a weekly mailbag show we do each week. It's a ton of fun. It is typically our most popular episode, so we'd love to have you involved. If you are a new listener or just a first-time question asker, we'd love to have you on board. Thanks to those of you who have recently given us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I saw one of the reviews I checked it last week that said that I asked multiple times and so nicely, and that and that's what convinced them to write a review. But even if my uh, multiple pleas didn't convince you to do it, uh, I'm going. I'm not going to give you a plea here. I'm just going to say thanks, thanks. I appreciate all of you listening, and and those of you who who do rate and review in the podcast, rate and review the podcast. I I appreciate that too. But if if that's not your cup of tea, just tell your friends about the show. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.